Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Gary Hunt, Director of Content Strategy and Media at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. The accounting profession must work persistently in its culture and continue developing its pipeline to address a lack of diversity in its leadership. That was the conclusion of a study of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the U.S. accounting profession conducted by the Institute of Management Accountants, with help from the Ohio Society of CPAs. On this episode, L'Oreal Giles, lead researcher on the study and IMA director of research, leads a conversation with Scott Wiley, president and CEO of the Ohio Society of CPAs, and Margaret Finley, OSCPA's diversity, equity, and inclusion strategist. They discuss the challenges that are preventing diverse accounting employees from advancing, how professional organizations can help, and more. Here's their conversation. So as we start, much of the focus on DEI in our field is on ensuring a more diverse talent pipeline and that young people from underrepresented groups are attracted to a career in accounting. But one of the important findings of our research, which is diversifying US accounting talent, was that the challenges continue for long after diverse professionals are hired. What challenges do you think exist for diverse accounting employees within organizations that prevent them from advancing up the, the company ladder? And so maybe we'll start with Margaret, if you could share your thoughts there. Sure, thank you, Laurel, for the question. So I think there are a number of challenges, right? Um, I think it's important for um, professionals to feel that they are going into an environment one, where they can be their authentic self, and two, that they really see people that look like them, right? So as we all know, the accounting profession does have opportunities around increasing representation. And so from the research and data that I have been engaged in reading, that's one of the number one things that have come out in addition to your results, right, was really just walking into an environment and feeling like you have people that are relatable to you. I think that's very important. Um, in addition to that, I think, you know, it's important that people feel that they have career advancement opportunities, right? Like they're going to have a manager that, man, excuse me, a manager that's going to spend time with them, um, mentoring, coaching, and developing them as well. Wonderful. Thank you. Over to Scott, if you could share your thoughts on what challenges you think exist for diverse accounting employees within organizations. Sure. Thank you. Um, you know, I would say from a leadership perspective, I think it's important for leaders to really recognize uh, some key points. You know, this is a profession that serves and strives to serve more um, as it relates to the global markets and working with entrepreneurial capital. And as a result of that, we need to be mindful of how that capital is being increasingly held. And it's being held by a more diverse set of individuals, diverse led organizations. And as the economy shifts and the population shifts, that capital is gonna continue to be held by diverse individuals and diverse, diversely led organizations. So we've gotta be mindful and respectful of that. You know, and to Margaret's point, um, we've got to do a better job of looking like those we serve. 
I also think it's important for leaders to recognize that culture can make or break efforts to attract diverse professionals to your organization. And culture starts with the leadership team. We've got to be intentional. Um, and it's important that we create intentionally consistent um, cultures. And we have to be clear about that with our teams, paying attention to and guarding against subtle signs of having a non-inclusive culture. That affects our diverse teams more frequently. You know, so some examples of that. What are we doing just you know, across the organization as we see a re-entry happen um, more and more in the business community? What are we doing to make sure that we're not leaving people out? You know, are we not inviting people to lunch? Um, are people being included in informal meetings? Um, how are we, as we think about you know, this re-entry and rebuilding the culture, how are we being mindful of the subtle things like after hours, happy hours, or social gatherings? Um, we also need to think about as we come back together in new and different ways, those high visibility projects that we're, we're kicking off or spearheading. How are we ensuring we're being thoughtful about the teams that we put together uh, being diverse, being inclusive, and really being representative of the cultures we're trying to create? So leaders have a role to play, and we've got to be intentional and thoughtful about it as we play that role. Wonderful. That is an awesome segue into the next segment here. Uh, the report makes the salient point that as a profession, we need to think about how to diversify or else we'll be a weaker field. And that's happening just as you were speaking to as our nation becomes more and more diverse. But organizations right now are failing to reap the full benefits of the diverse talent they already have. And that's happening by denying promotions. Margaret spoke about opportunities or access to roles, um, denying promotions or recognition to qualified staff. And oftentimes organizations are failing to retain those employees as a consequence. So how can finance leaders and departments work toward retaining diverse employees and ensuring they're promoted in line with their abilities? Perhaps Margaret, if you'll start for us. Sure, I think around this question is really um, being intentional about DE&I, right? From the per perspective of what's our why, right? And thinking about, um, Scott said a little earlier, having that message at the top of the house and then how does it cascade down? Um, we all know the research shows, and I think from our experiences, diverse teams really bring diverse perspectives and ideas to the table. And at the end of the day, that will yield better business results. I'll let Scott chime in on that question as well. Well, I definitely wanna reinforce that point. Your diverse teams, that bring diverse perspectives and ideas to the table, yield better results and deliver more innovative solutions. There's a body of knowledge and data that bears that out across the business community. That point has been, of you know, that's not in debate. Um, I do wanna take a look at the question though, you know, you know certainly as we think about DE&I, you know, this idea of in line with their abilities, you know, and I think it's important that we really dig in on that one. You know, and it, it almost appears to suggest that people from different backgrounds have different abilities. And, and that in itself is an unconscious bias that, you know, we as leaders in the business community, we need to address and we need to spend time really getting underneath what, what, what forms that perspective. So a couple thoughts for us as leaders. 
how can we create absolute clarity and consistency as it relates to the core competencies needed to be, for us, a transformational CPA or a transformational accountant and transformational in this profession and as a finance team. Once we identify the essential core competencies, you know, we're able to better address how to build those skills across our members, um, as well as members of finance teams. You know, so we've got to focus on the team, focus on the culture that we're committed to creating. Uh, when we build a culture of belonging, and I think that's an important word, belonging, where all of our team members know they can contribute, they can speak their truth, they can bring their authentic, self, authentic selves to work. We know that we can achieve more, we can do more, and we can be more for our organizations and the clients we serve. So what are we doing to create a more welcoming culture where people feel valued and appreciated for their contributions and ideas? What are we doing to develop strong coaching, mentorship, sponsorship, and career development programs for all of our team members? And let's, ref let's also be mindful that we've got to meet people where they are. So it can't be the cookie cutter approach of one size will fit all. That, that's just not going to work anymore. Right, Scott, and I would just add on to that, you know, our focus around designing a workplace culture that is diverse and a welcoming one, right? So how do you onboard um, new employees to your culture? You want to make sure you're creating a safe space. One of the things that we're talking about often is this term around psychological safety and our managers and leaders ensuring that we have psychological safety around amongst all of our employees at all levels of the organization. Um, I think it's also important to provide a framework of success. So expectations and accountability are crucial. And again, when I think about starting at the top of the house and how does that message cascade down and throughout the organization. Um, you also wanna be mindful of mapping out a career plan that is clear and concise for all employees as well. Awesome. Uh, I think as we maybe pull along the line of the abilities comment, the, the in line with their abilities, I, I saw two things come across in the interviews that we conducted. There was certainly the perspective that there are different abilities uh, for persons of different demographic backgrounds, which is absolutely not the approach we want to take, uh, leveraging the guidance that Scott shared. The other perspective that was shared uh, was was one of promoting people or, or rewarding people because of their demographic backgrounds. And that's also not what we strive for as well as we think about sustainable DEI practices and sustainable improvement. The goal here is to ensure that everyone has equal access. And because of systemic disadvantages that have, have been, I'd say, woven into the fabric of some of the structures that we have, then we need equitable access to be able to reach the, the point of equality, equality being viewed more as an outcome there. Uh, so that brings us to our next question. Aside from missing out on recognition and promotions, respondents to the DEI reports survey indicated they were often yelled at or demeaned 
or heard offensive comments or jokes and some of them felt it was unsafe to tell people their ideas or make contributions. So what do senior leaders in accounting need to do to not only recognize and promote diverse staff, but foster more inclusive, respectful corporate cultures? So some of that, the, the cultural element was coming through in the last round of answers. How is this vital to efforts at retaining diverse talent? And perhaps we'll start with Scott this time since you were just talking about the culture. Yeah, I mean, there's no good way of saying it. The behaviors mentioned uh, are inappropriate and have no place in the types of culture we're trying to create in the accounting profession today. I don't, I don't know anyone who'd wanna be a part of a culture where you get screamed at or demeaned. Um, leaders who engage in that behavior aren't leaders, they're bad managers. Right. We're long past the time where screaming at people to help them quote unquote, earn their stripes is acceptable behavior. You know, this is a non-starter. I, I don't know how to say it more plainly um, you know, than that. If people don't feel that they're valued and wanted, and let, let's just be clear, because I want to be mindful of this, all people, including people who look like me, you know, white men, I don't know who wants to belong in an organization where they don't feel like they're valued and contributing and wanted, um, then they're not going to contribute at the highest level if you make them feel that way. And they're, and they're going to leave or they're going to be focused on getting the heck out of there as fast as they can. So let's talk about the converse, though. What I see strong leaders doing, and quite frankly, this is the bulk of the profession, they're focusing on culture first. What will make everyone on the team want to lead and work together, regardless of their in-person, remote, or hybrid? You know, they're working with their people. They're inspiring their people. They're learning from and oftentimes alongside their people leading by example. So it's not just top of the table out front. Uh, they're being good stewards of the talent they have and demonstrating they care about everyone on their team. So I, I think it's important that again, throughout this conversation, Laura, we've really you know, thread the needle on, this is really about culture the culture we're trying to create, the culture we're trying to build so that we can create winning teams, winning performance that's gonna deliver value for our customers, but also, you know, let's talk about inside of firms for our shareholders, uh, for our stakeholders. So culture really is the driver of excellence. And I think if we can focus in on that, we really can create some opportunities here. Over to you, Margaret. Sure, well said, Scott. And I think in adding to that, I think it's up to the leader to monitor against toxic behavior, right? So swearing and yelling and being condescending to your employees definitely will not be tolerated. And I think that's the manager's role to make sure that that's not happening, right? Um, I think that there should be a system in place that if an employee feels that they're being demeaned or condescend or the manager is being condescending, that they feel comfortable, talking about psychological safety, right? That they feel comfortable going to report that and having the appropriate conversations um, to create an environment where there is no tolerance for retaliation, right? Around you have an issue that, that you should be able to express that. Thank it's all you. about respect at the end of the day for all, just as you said, L'Oreal, around equity, right? That's leveling the playing field and making sure that everyone has the same 
opportunity, regardless of how they believe, what they look like, or how they show up in the workplace. And you know that goes to, again, are we promoting environments where you can truly come and be who you are? And if you can't, then I think that it's important to have those conversations of around what's getting in the way, perhaps. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think maybe on the heels of that, as we think about how to, to combat that, what is the call to action in the findings of this report for professional organizations like yours, like mine, like IMA, like OSCPA? How do we contribute to the ongoing struggle for equity and inclusion as part of our core missions? So maybe to Scott first. I think as association leaders, it's important we have a role to play. Um, I want to make sure I'm giving credit where credit's due. Certainly the leadership of people like Jeff Thompson, you know, Barry Melanson, um, has been critical in this effort in our space. Um, one, you know, they recognize that professional organizations have a role to play. And, you know, I said it before, and it, it, it's worth noting again, you know, Jeff Barry and I all have something in common. We all look alike. And that's my way of saying white men in this profession there's a role to play. You could be, we can be leaders here. And it's not that we're not supposed to be involved and we're being asked to sit, sit down and take a seat in the back of the room. So let's dispel that myth head on right now. Um, you know, quite frankly, white males are, are often the people in positions of leadership in the accounting profession today and often in finance. And we have a role to play to ensure our environments are welcoming and inclusive to all, to ensure that, learn, that learning is a core value for all ensuring that we're doing in this what we're doing in this space is reflective of our profession's core values integrity competence objectivity trustworthiness you know we can create a safe environment where our constituents and our stakeholders can talk about the challenges and opportunities that are involved in this work uh, we can meet our constituents and our stakeholders where they are and they're all in different places and that is okay and we need to listen to them and their concerns. You know, let's be transparent about what we're learning from our own DE&I journeys within our organizations. And it's just that, a journey, as well as the journey we're encouraging our members to take with us. You know, and we do that by modeling what we're encouraging our constituents and stakeholders to do. Talking about the work we're doing, the successes we've had, the mistakes we've made, and we've made mistakes and what we've learned along the way. You know, helping our members and our customers develop that inclusive and welcoming culture we talk about, and how can we provide examples of how to create psychological safety in the workplace? You know, creating space for these conversations to occur, getting comfortable being uncomfortable, and meeting people where they are. Again, there's no value judgments, but a commitment to engage. You know, one of the things that the professional association community has done, and I'm really proud of our leadership in here at the Ohio Society of CPAs is we have worked to increase our outreach to America's HBCUs, our historically black colleges and universities. We have two in the state of Ohio, as well as college accounting programs um, across the, the state uh, about our greatest recruitment efforts. You know, we're building relationships with teams to mobilize and develop our talent. In the same way, we're investing in building relationships with clients. So, it's a whole ecosystem effort. And it's not about stopping. It's about pacing and continuing and engaging 
and listening and regrouping and understanding and then going forward again. So this is one of those ones where, L'Oreal, I sense that the broader business community a year in post George Floyd's killing is starting to recalibrate and it appears some may be easing off or moving on to other priorities. It is vitally important for our profession and our organizations that are helping guide and lead it to recognize our role is in continuing. Our role is, can, is in helping thread how this is not a standalone effort, but this is at the core of all we do. It's, it's committed, it's consistent with our values. And so it's a part of every conversation. It's not its own conversation. That's the role I think we have to play. That I think brings us to a really good place here as we focus on the next steps. So a lot of the work that we did in our first phase of research focused on what's the current state and it closed out with some recommended solutions, best practices, and we're intending to carry that forward. So definitely at IMA, uh, one, recognizing that the, the profession is not restricted to the US, we're replicating that study in other global uh, ge geographic regions. And I think another important point to, to Margaret's point just there is there are a host of aspects of diversity, tangible and intangible. Ultimately though, to Scott's point, all of those aspects of demographic diversity or other aspects of diversity should lead us to diversity of thought and diversity of perspectives. And those different components there ultimately are what translate into greater innovation, greater results and, and better, I'd say working environments and morale in general. And so I think as accountants, we have an ethical imperative to commit to DE&I improvement. We're already bound to ensure that our decisions are fair and not influenced by bias. And then as we think about our call to action as, as associations, to Scott's point, ultimately it takes a village. No organization can enact change across the profession alone. And that's why these types of partnerships are incredibly important and will ultimately shape the future of our profession as it relates to DEI and a host of other matters. A special thank you to L'Oreal Giles and the Institute of Management Accountants for hosting this important conversation. Be sure to check out our story in this topic in the September-October 2021 issue of CPA Voice. What did you think of this episode? You can let me know at ghunt at ohiocpa.com. And please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. We love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.